Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch The Going Live Show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of her son in the sketch. Uh, she played the mom, and I played the priest going, the power of Christ compels you. Like, that was me. Well, sadly, this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now, the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase phrase it. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows nonstop, but I can't let this sit situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world. Lutes. Files. Irritating little crumb horns. Gaze at the person across from you now. Feel 
spark of connection If you don't screw up this moment somehow Maybe you won't die alone Don't be too needy or bring up your ex Don't say the words her peace simplex Don't ever mention you've never had sex Trust me, I promise she knows and now her defenses are starting to fall Smile and return her affection If you don't manage to ruin it all Maybe you won't die alone Don't begin screaming your brother home What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on The Booch Cast, he is the NXT correspondent. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to The Booch Cast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude and dudettes? Yes, it's me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Genuinely speaking, I'm not that broke. Hey, Vinny, want to know what my new theme song is? I know. No, I don't want to know. You don't have to tell the audience. I know. Which are the three counts? <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> Look. <laughs> we like it. Think to the Backstreet Boys. Britney Spears is cute. I don't know what's worse. The fact that Zach wants that as a theme song or the fact that he just fucked the words up. I don't care about Zach is botching here on the Boochcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now, because Zach is being an idiot and because all of you out there are probably confused... These are the lyrics. It's, here we are, we're three count, party on forever. We like the Backstreet Boys and it's it too. Britney Spears is kind of cute. We like TRL and MTV. Here we are, we're three count, one, two, three. One, two, three. That's the fucking lyrics, and Zach is a moron. Now, <laughs> I don't really have much of an opener, and right now I'm kind of pissed off. So we're just going to jump into NXT, because I don't really know where to segue from here. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. Um, so anyway, speaking of uncomfortable, Baron Corbin comes walking into NXT. He's strutting through the building, and people can't even look him in the eye, and the ones who do, they don't know what to say to him. You know, and of course, he looks at the uh, picture of Carmelo and whatever, and everybody's kind of backing down, not 
not knowing what to do. So he tells everybody to hit the theme music and Baron Corbin goes out to the ring and he says he never thought he'd walk back through the NXT doors. When he got the call, he cleaned out his locker and never looked back. He was main eventing pay-per-views while other NXT superstars were being called up. They were hungry, but after a while, things changed. The current NXT locker room does nothing but play around on their phones and act entitled. Corbin built this place. He came through the doors tonight. The superstars in the back can't even look him in the eyes, even though a few of them did. Corbin is going to make everyone here regret ever signing a WWE contract. Every single one of them is soft and weak. The NXT champion Carmelo Hayes walks around like his stuff doesn't stink. Hayes got a dose of main roster reality last week when Corbin took him out. Ilya Dragunov interrupts. Dragunov introduces himself to Corbin. Corbin says he knows who he is and wants to know what he wants. Dragunov came out to look Corbin in the eye and tell him he isn't soft or weak. He's the first person in line to face Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Championship. Corbin says this is that NXT entitlement. He's wrestled at WrestleMania six times. Dragunov doesn't care. Corbin says he jumped the line because he could. Dragunov challenges Corbin to a match tonight. Corbin asks if Dragunov really wants a match after what happened to him at Battleground. Dragunov lifts up his shirt and reveals a nasty bruise. Dragunov says there is nothing Corbin can do to him. Corbin retorts that it's a cute little bruise, but when he is done with Dragunov, his body will be covered in them. Dragunov leaves the ring. Trick Williams attacks Corbin from behind. Williams clotheslines Corbin over the top rope. This right here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dean Nudets and Vinny Beauty Debuch here, was actually a very good opening promo, was it not? Phenomenal. Yeah, I didn't know Brian Carmen could do something like that. It's like, I, yeah, I was, and I was uh, here before anybody, and he's just being the dickish, dickish hill that he's so good at doing. Dragonoff came out there. Seriously, you want to want to talk all that talk? Talk all talk. Face me. And said, then uh, Dragonoff leaves the ring, and then all the sudden, Trick Williams got a little bit of what we like to call a receipt for Camilla Hayes. Yes, he did. And I'll say this. This was a well-done promo by Baron Corbin. Yes, I mean, was. he emphasized the fact that, you know, when he got called up, he cleaned, he did. He basically left NXT and never looked back. A lot of people were surprised he got called up. Um, most of us that watched NXT, we weren't because here's the thing. If you watch the main roster, which I'm sure a lot of you do, you see Baron Corbin in a very different light if you didn't watch NXT during the black and gold era. You see Baron Corbin Corbin as a guy who lately has had shitty gimmicks, has struggled to get over, has accomplished a few things, but hasn't really done anything relevant lately. You know, in the world of what have you done for me lately, the answer is with Baron Corbin, fucking nothing. Granted, this is a man who is a former United States champion, won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal in 2016, is a 2019 King of the Ring, won the Money in the Bank in 2017. Granted, he had one of the worst cash in in the history of <laughs> the Money in the Bank cash-in. I, I remember that. Which we found out later was because he was being a belligerent jackass backstage and did some unprofessional shit. Uh, he won the WWE Year-End Award for the Most Hated Wrestler of the Year in 2018. He's also, in 2018-2019, was voted the most overrated by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and the worst gimmick in 2018 when he was Constable Baron Corbin. That was horrible. It was a horrible gimmick. Uh, most Hated Wrestler of the Year in 2019 by Pro Wrestling Illustrated and in the top five 500 for 2019 he was ranked number 39 no. in the top 500 now That's pretty good. you know he had a decent career 
in the main roster. But in NXT, he was fucking dominant. He was literally having squash matches. He was like smashing people in the ring. To the point where when the bell would ring, the crowd would count and see how long the match would go. Like as soon as the bell rang, they'd go one, two, three, four. And they wouldn't stop counting until the match was over. Just to see how long it would go. Because normally when Baron Corbin was in the ring during that time, the matches would not last long. And he had a lot of great moments in NXT and a lot of great matches and feuds and rivalries and, you know, really held his own. And at times it looked like he could have been the NXT champion had he stuck around a little longer. But he didn't. He got called up and went to the main roster and did okay. And granted, he had to shave his head because apparently he was losing his hair, which sucked because the long hair really added to his gimmick and made him look more badass. But what I like about it is also he makes a valid point the black and gold era is considered the best era in nxt and those guys that were getting called up they were hungry for success they did want to dominate on the main roster they did want to kick ass and take names and today not so much and there's a lot of truth to that because the whole thing about being on their phones and stuff that is a ongoing thing that a lot of old school uh legends and wrestlers about the young talent that they spend a lot of time on social media they spend a lot of time playing video games and reading comic books and everything else and they care more about <laughs> Dave Meltzer giving them five stars than asking a veteran whether or not they have what it takes like they value Dave Meltzer's opinion over a guy who's actually taking bumps in the ring like Scott Steiner used to say one time if you, you don't have to go on the internet come to my locker room I'll tell you that you suck you don't need the internet to do that. So things like that. And there is a lot of truth because there's a lot of people who loved NXT that don't watch anymore. Now, there are some people who still watch, myself included. Zach, Same obviously. That's well. Um, but, of course, our former NXT correspondent, Mr. John Tumblin, who, if you've been listening to some of the classic NXT takeovers that have been popping up here on the Boochcast, you're going to hear John in a lot of those because John was featured. In fact, we have some coming out in the coming weeks and months. There'll be some NXT takeovers coming out that will feature John. So if you're a John Tumblin fan, be on the lookout for those classics. Now, there's a few that have myself and at least one that features Zach, one that features Elvis, but in general, John will be on those if you want to check that out. But John even tapped out of NXT. So that's how bad NXT has gotten as far as the change and the look because you know a lot of these guys they come into NXT and they think they're already stars and to an extent they are but NXT at the end of the day is a developmental company a lot of people see it as the third brand of WWE and that's only because the black and gold delivered so many classic matches and had so much great content even as Baron Corbin said they packed the Barclays Center that when they did the first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, they packed the Barclays Center. Like, NXT used to pack arenas. NXT used to go overseas and have overseas takeovers, like TakeOver London or TakeOver Toronto. They used to do shit like that. And the reason they would do shit like that is because NXT was so popular. And it had a mixture of people who were coming up, you know, through the indies and were also homegrown talent training in the Performance Center. But you also had established talent from TNA and Ring of Honor and New Japan coming over. Whether it was Austin Aries, whether it was Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, uh, James Storm had a brief appearance before he eventually went back to Impact. 
you know? There's a lot of people that came through NXT that were big names in other places. So because we saw these big names from other places, it made NXT worthwhile and helped it to become an entity that drew money. But eventually, once all the stars either got called up or got released and went somewhere else, it had to go back to being developmental. And that's ultimately what NXT is. And that's what NXT is designed for. It's designed for people to get experience wrestling on camera, wrestling in front of crowds, but also for a lot of the established talent that were from elsewhere, it gave them a chance to learn the WWE playbook, learn the WWE style. Like, okay, you did things over here, now you're in the big leagues. You're playing with the big boys now. So you need to learn how to do it the big boy way. And that's how they would train them, you know, get them used to doing things in a different way because now you're definitely on television. Because the other places you went to may or may not have TV, or if they did, they didn't give good quality TV. Now you're on a good quality TV platform. So it was important to learn certain things, like playing to the hard cam or, you know, when you're coming out for your entrance. Know where to stand so the camera can get a good look at you, you know. Don't look directly into the camera. Look to the side. Unless you have a gimmick that's specifically designed to look into the camera, which not everybody does. So these are little things you have to learn and look at, and that's what NXT ultimately is designed for. So by the time you get to Raw or SmackDown, you're ready, and you're going to be ready to show the world what you got. And there are some people who got called up, and they were able to make it. And there were some people who got called up and did not do very well, whether it was through bad booking or they simply just sucked. And there were some that were victims of each. There's plenty of people that had bad booking on the main roster. And it got to the point where it was so bad, there were people who didn't want to leave NXT for fear that they would get called up and they would get booked very badly. Now we're going to see if that's still the case with a lot of the calls we have now. Mm-hmm. So far, so good, though. I mean, Zoe Stark seems to be doing very well up there. Pretty Deadly's getting becoming a focal point in the SmackDown tag division. Yes, boy. So it looks like we're seeing some good so far. But time will tell if they're really going to do well. So I like that Baron Corbin is kind of bringing that reminder and bringing that star status to there. They said he is a star. Regardless of how he was booked on the main roster, he utilized that platform so well that he is a star everywhere else he goes. So he can come back to NXT and be somebody. In fact, I'll go as far as to say he could be the NXT champion, and I'd be totally okay with it. Yeah, I would be here too. I'd be okay with Baron Corbin being the champion. Because he definitely should have been NXT champion during his original time there. And on top of all that, he can bring star power to the NXT title and put some lineage behind it. You know, not that I'm saying they haven't had great champions in NXT, they have. But lately, there's not a lot of big stars in NXT because the majority of the ones who are worthwhile are already up there. Aside from a few that are still here, but... One in particular we're going to talk about later. He shouldn't be in the NXT title picture because he held it too goddamn long. So we'll see what he's going to do. But ultimately, Baron Corbin gave one of the best NXT segments I've seen in a while. Dragunov was the perfect person to come out there because we definitely know he's not soft and weak after what we saw in that last man standing match. Not at all. Oh, that match was so good. So a match between the two of them, I think, would draw. That would be a good match. And it'd be good for Dragunov to prove that he's tough and he doesn't fall into the category of what Corbin's describing about wrestlers. And I also love the fact that he mentioned that he mentioned that he 
wrestled at WrestleMania six times. And he also emphasized the fact that even though Zack's not happy about this, and a lot of us aren't happy about this, he did in fact retire Kurt Angle. Boo! We can hate it, but it's a fact. And he said he's the last guy to pin Roman Reigns. So that's another big feather in his cap. And, and even Desmond said this to me once when he brought it up, that if they ever wanted to have a rivalry between Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin for the undisputed title, Baron Corbin could make the case, since I was the last guy to pin you, I'm credible enough to beat you. And you can tell a story based on that. And I would have the perfect way to set that up, but I'm going to wait till a little later to bring that up because I don't want to jump ahead of anything. So on that note, we're going to move on. Uh, next thing we know, we see uh, Ilya Dragunov backstage after the Trick Williams incident. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that Trick Williams came out, by the way, because, you know, Trick and Baron are, you know, even in size. Mm-hmm. So for Trick to be the one to knock him out of the ring is credible. Carm- if Carmelo had done that, it wouldn't have looked as good. Just from the size perspective. But then we come to the back here and we see Ilya Dragunov laying on the ground, writhing in pain with Braun Breaker standing over him saying, how's that pain feel and everything else and kind of taunting him and then basically walking away. So now here, of course, begs the question, the fuck is Braun Breaker doing? Yeah, exactly. Like, remember we saw, like, what the hell is he doing here? I thought he went someplace else. Apparently not. Apparently he's staying in NXT and no one has a logical reason for me why the fuck he's still here. And I'm not saying this in a bad way because I am a fan of Braun Breaker. Let me make that clear. I am a fan of Braun Breaker, but what the fuck else is he gonna do in NXT? The only thing he can do now is just run through people and be an asshole heel. But it's not gonna lead to anything because him getting the NXT title back makes no fucking sense. Because he was already champ for a long ass fucking time as I mentioned earlier. So, I don't hate Braun Breaker, but I don't know what the fuck he's still doing here. He needs to go to the main roster. That's what he needs to do. But we'll see where this happens, Ebony. Alright. So on that note, we're gonna move on now to our first official match of the evening. We're finally getting into the, uh, the wrestling here. And we got the Creed Brothers and Ivy Nile versus the Dyad and Ava Rain. What do you think of this? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. We finally saw Ava Rain in the ring only for what? About what? 45 seconds? Yeah. That was a beautiful. So I want to see Ava Rain. All right, Ava Rain against Ivy Nile. We'll be right back, folks. We're going to do a commercial. Like, fuck you. This continues in picture in picture. And I got you. Um, yeah, I got your picture, picture right here, there, NXT. I can't do that with my ADHD. Yeah. Fucking dipshits. Well, here's the thing, though. I didn't really get to see enough of Ava Rain to really judge if she can work. And that's the thing that bothers me the most about this match. Because I'm going to be honest. I didn't really care about the match itself. What I was the most looking forward to was finally seeing if the daughter of the most electrifying man in sports entertainment has the in-ring skills to pay the bills. I wanted to see if Ava Rain can work. Can the daughter of The Rock work? Is this a like father, like daughter situation? Or is the apple falling way too far from the fucking tree? And that's what I want to know. And we didn't get to see that. Most of the fight was literally the Creed brothers and the dyad. I didn't feel like I was watching a six-person tag. I felt like I was watching a, a goddamn ridiculous tag match. That's what I felt like I was watching. And I will say there were some good moments, like the the like the suplex where he was like on his where he was like laying down and on his knees and standing up, and he held the guy up there for a really long time until the blind tag. I thought that was really good. 
good. And then he comes in, like, holds him up there, and then he kind of passes him off. Yeah. And he's still kind of holding him there, which, on the one hand, it looks stupid and silly, but because it is a test of strength and they pass it off in some believable way, I can let it slide. But that did almost look on the borderline of phony and silly. But it is the Creed brothers who are incredible tag team, so I can let that slide because it was fun to see. But my biggest complaint was not seeing enough of Ava Rain because that's really what I think the selling point was. I'm, I'm really, really hoping, I'm really hoping that if we don't see anything between these two on TV, I'm hoping at the Great American Bash... We get Ivy Nile and Ava Rain one-on-one. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't enough, and I was like, I want to see Ava Rain and Ivy Nile go at it, but they kept on tagging me. Ava Rain goes like, no, 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 tags one of the other guys. And I was like, seriously, dude, get in there. You're the Rock's daughter. Show up for once. Well, here's the thing. The first time she did it, I let it slide. Because it's a good heel move. But the fact that it never paid off mm. is where I have the issue. Like the first time is fine. Like, you know, in the beginning of the match, it's how you, you know, you got to tease them to please them. You know, it's like, yeah, I want you. I want you. Ha ha, joke's on you. Tag out. Because <laughs> it gets you frustrated. Because you're like, oh, I want you. And then eventually they get in the ring somehow. Rain puts on her mask and head puts Nile. And Ron and um, wins the match. So, yay. Damn it. <laughs> All right. And then we cut to... Oh, fuck, here we go. We go over to the jail, and we see uh, Stax on a phone talking to uh, Tony D'Angelo, trying to figure out who set up the Don. And uh, he's thinking it could be Gallus. He's thinking it could be a bunch of other people. Um, Stax is looking at as many connections as possible, trying to find the person. And uh, the Don tells him it's Gallus. Trust your gut. You know, it's got to be somebody local. And then he also lets him know, hey... I respect what you're doing, but a three-on-one beatdown ain't smart. You got to get some backup. He said, who do I talk to? He says, that's why you're the underboss. Figure it out. And then he goes back to his cell. I enjoy this right here. And that orange jumpsuit boy, does that bring back many, many, many memories? Yeah. Morning, 6928. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy this right here, but let's see what just happens. The uh, uh, um, Don says it's Gallus, but I don't know. I haven't been convinced yet. Well, I'm pretty sure it is fucking Gallus, all right? There's not a doubt in my fucking mind that that's who it is that put me in this fucking cell. By the way, I'm using my prison minutes here, so I'm hoping we, I get some good fucking dialogue from Cherry Top this time. Oh, what? I'm waste. I feel like I'm wasting my goddamn minutes over here. I could be spending this on a phone sex call. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. At least I get to go home every day and get to do what I do. But you have to be locked up in jail because you, apparently you trusted the wrong people. And how many times do I have to tell you this? I had nothing to do with it. And I don't think Gallus did either. You just hating them because they're Scottish and they're tag team champions, you greasy piece of crap. Okay, first of all, I didn't say you got me locked up, Cherry Top. So I don't know why you keep you saying... You just assumed the blame it was. I never... When did I blame you? Well, typical times. Always blame the Irish for your fucking problems. Okay, right now you are seriously provoking me here. And you're doing it for a stupid reason. I did not say that it was your fucking fault. I might have asked you in the beginning, but I got clarification. I found out it wasn't you, so you're good. I'm just saying, don't waste my time on a phone call here, which right now you're fucking doing, bringing up old shit from the past. Seriously, look towards the future. You'd have a better one. So anyway, I'm trying to figure everything out, but I will say this. In the meantime, in between time over here, because I'm the Don, you gotta understand something. 
Just because I'm in the jail don't mean I'm suffering over here. I'm living the sweet life like all of us do whenever we get locked up. It's always great. I got I got a guy getting me good primo steaks. I ain't eating none of that prison slop. I got somebody to get me my newspaper. I read the paper in the morning. That's pretty good. And, of course, I have a Peacock subscription so I can check out NXT and watch a couple movies and all that. So, trust me. The Don is living the sweet life, don't get me wrong. But, but I don't mean I want to stay here forever, but I will say the Don is living the sweet life. You hear? I hear ya. That's how it goes. So, pretty soon, Stax is going to find out who's behind this, and we're going to go kick that kick their asses. Like I said, I'm convinced it's Gallus, and we taking the tag team titles. We're going to be champs, trust me. The Don is getting gold, I promise you. And I'll be back with a vengeance. Whatever you say there, Don. Hope everything works out for you for, in the long run. Wish the best of luck to you. Yeah, thanks, Sherry Top. I feel the sincerity. No problem. I'm here, oh, I'm here till Friday. Take you later. But here till Friday? What the hell? Mm. We don't even... Re- this show don't even happen on Fridays. You hear once a week. What the hell are you talking about? Till next Tuesday. You happy now? Yeah, now yeah, because you're actually telling the truth over here. Acting like you work more days. You see, you work less days than Roman Reigns. What are you talking about over here? Anyway. So anyway, I, I see that I got the steaks are getting ready. So uh, Don's going to go back to eating his dinner and getting his massages and his conjugal visits. It's going to be a lot. of. I'm going to have some fun in here. But uh, trust me, I ain't going to stay here forever. Catch you all next time. Catch you next time. All right. All right, let's see. And uh question is, do we still think it's Gallus that did this? Oh, no. Innocent or proven guilty. Yeah, but it's weird because this is one of those things where the more this story progresses, I'm still getting that suspicious feeling that it stacks. And I got a feeling that he's doing this to get the Don out of the way because I can't think of why Gallus would do it. I mean, look, I get it. They, you know, may not want to face them for the tag team titles, but I don't think they would take it to this level because Gallus seems like the type of guy that will, you know, if you want to fight, they're going to fight, you know. So I, I, I still think this is uh, Stax trying to pull this off. And I will say this. If Stax is behind uh, Tony D going to jail, this is going to be one of the most predictable storylines of all time. But if they can swerve us and make it a good swerve, then this feud has legs. Hopefully it has a good pair of legs. Yeah. And on that note, we cut to... Earlier in the day where Mr. Stone was in a doctor's <laughs> office with Von Wagner. It's a therapist's office. Stone has been trying to get Wagner to pick someone to work through his issue with. Wagner has assaulted the last two therapists he has seen. Wagner doesn't want to do this until the doctor walks out of the office and tells him to come in. You know what this reminds me of? What? Bad Boys 2. I remember it's like, Mike, you're supposed to talk through your issues, not being a therapist. <laughs> That won't remind me of this. But I ain't doing this. I ain't doing this at all. And so that smoking hot blonde therapist comes out. Like, on the other hand, and he just smiles at Mr. Stone. And he goes, ah, oh, crap. Okay. That actually reminds me of um, this movie I used to watch, The Pest, with John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah. Where, um, where he finally, like, swims all the way back to Miami. <laughs> and... His friend, he's like freaking out because he realized this guy, because he's like I said, he's being hunted. So uh, they say, hey man, take a swim in the pool to help you relax. He goes, a swim? And he goes, obviously, you haven't been listening to what I'm saying. I have been swimming for five hours. What don't you understand? And he looks over, and there's this hot girl in a bikini, like waving him over. And he looks over at his friends and goes, maybe one lap? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so it was kind of like that. He goes, he goes, I don't need a therapist. I'll be right back. And then exactly <laughs> what happened was all that. Like he's like, I had a hold up one second here. Yeah, they see the hot blonde, and all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I, I'll give <laughs> yeah. it. Let, maybe I'll give it a shot. I'll yeah. give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. And I like that. That at least they're doing this. They're getting everything um, looking good. And looks like overall it's gonna be a great experience. And I'm hoping we find out what the hell's going on with Wagner, and we can find a way to improve upon his gimmick. And I'm hoping, because keep in mind, Von Wagner's a free agent. I want to see him make some Raw and SmackDown appearances from time to time, instead of just doing goofy shit in NXT, you know? Like right now, the free agents are coming here to NXT. They got nowhere else to go right now, but they can still go to Raw and SmackDown. Let's let Von Wagner get some Raw appearances, get some SmackDown appearances. Let's see him mix it up with some people. I think it would be great for him. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. If, if we, we even want to call it that. Danny Palmer goes one-on-one -on -one against Blair Davenport. Meh. 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 Boring. Was it even a match? On three, Vinny. One, two, three. Boring. No, this was pointless and, and, and dumb. Only thing I like about it was Blab Dabar for some strange reason. I think she's class A smoking hot. And I proves to the world that I have no life in my pathetic self. Go ahead, Vinny. Take it away. Well, thank you for uh, pointing out the obvious to the listeners. Um, but ultimately, this... I don't know what the fuck this <laughs> I don't was. know either. This thing is, is the thing. We talked about this last week. None of this makes sense. Nobody here knows who Blair Davenport is. We don't remember her because she rarely made any appearances. Here's the sad part. She is more well-known for her AEW name, Bea Priestley, than she is for being Blair Davenport in NXT. And I know this because I talked to a buddy of mine who works in the business, not Gator. And I brought up the Blair Davenport thing. He goes, was that Bea Priestley? And I go, yeah. So that's the thing. Because she wrestles mostly under Bea Priestley. That's who she is when she's not in NXT or, or back when she was on the the indie. And did have, uh, you know, a, a brief stint in AEW for quite a while. Before eventually going to New Japan and then, you know, spent, now spending time here in WWE. So she's revealed to be the attacker. No one remembers who she is. Nobody's seen to care who she is and here's the thing i'm not necessarily being a blair davenport hater because i don't necessarily hate her i think she's a good worker you know not great not horrible just good you know kind of like in the middle ish but she hasn't done anything to be worth getting this push to where she's revealed as his attacker and it's it, there's, there's 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 nothing to this now maybe in time if they keep this going she might be able to develop into a great heel, work on her in-ring skills, work on her promos. It could become a top female heel in NXT. There's definitely potential there, so I'm not denying that. I'm just saying this rivalry, this story is not interesting at all. And I don't know if there's anything that can be done to make it interesting. Okay. Yeah, this right here, I don't know who Danny Palmer is. I know who Bob Davenport is, but this right here was no. Yes. And on that note, we cut to the parking lot, and we see Dana Brooke. Yes. 
showing up. And apparently she has her sights set on the number one contenders battle royal and Tiffany Stratton's NXT Women's Championship, and yes. she walks in. So uh, Dana Brooke is yeah, back in NXT. Yeah, I saw that too. I was like, good for her. I always liked Dana Brooke and good looking. And I, we'll see what happens. They they screwed Dana Brooke over too many times, but anyways, we'll see how this goes. Well, here's the thing. I love that Dana Brooke is here. Because Dana Brooke, to me, is one of the most mismanaged women in the company, hands down. Because I remember all the way back to when Dana Brooke was in NXT during the Black and Gold era. When she was called the Total Diva. Because she came from the Arnold Classic. As I mentioned before, she was in the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic, you know, the bodybuilding competition, and she won the female women's division. So she had the body, she had the arrogant personality, she had the moves, she had everything. And she did very well in NXT. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she started becoming a fucking lackey. I think it was for Alexa Bliss, if I remember correctly. Then she went to the main roster, and they just wasted her. They turned her into basically a jobber, eventually gave her the 24-7 title. Apparently, she won it 15 times, the 24-7 championship. And it even got to the point where Corey Graves had disrespected her on commentary. That's because he's a piece of shit that can't do commentary right. And if they had just kept her gimmick the way it was and let her develop more in NXT, she would be one of the top females in the company. She was that good. She had all the potential in the world to be one of the top females in the in the wrestling business. But instead, they turned her into a joke on the main roster. And I'm really hoping, I'm seriously hoping that she is going to stay in NXT so she can reinvent herself and become the badass we all know she can be. I want to see her do well in NXT. I want to see her rebuild her image, rebuild herself. And we know it can be done. We've seen Mandy Rose do it. Mm-hmm. So I know it's doable to come back to NXT, repackage and reinvent yourself. So I'm hoping Dana Brooke can do that. I'm hoping she can get a solid run with the NXT Women's title. And when the day comes to bring her back to Raw or SmackDown, they'll treat her with more respect and put her in the title picture. And she's a free agent, so they can always use her on Raw and SmackDown for other things. But I'm hoping she'll spend the majority of her time in NXT so she can reinvent herself and we can start having another dominant woman in the title title picture. Because right now, there's not a lot of them. Nope. I know people like to live under the delusion that we have a lot of them, but we don't. The women's division does not have a lot of badass, credible women. There's a few that are badass and credible, and the rest are just fucking there. I don't want Dana Brooke to just be fucking there. Very, very true. She is very, very talented. All right, Vinny, go ahead. Well, we're going to move on now to the next match of the evening. I'm surprised this isn't the main event. Yeah, same here. But I guess because they already have an advertised main event, we're going to go with that. But here we got Baron Corbin one-on-one against Trick Williams. Wasn't that bad, though, was it? That was awesome. That was good. That was very, very good. Two big-ass dudes beating the shit out of each other. I liked it right here. I'm not going to say what I'm supposed to say because I always get it fucking wrong. But Trick Williams got a lot of movements. Baron Corbin got a lot of moves in and poor Trick Williams kind of sold his knee injury pretty damn well because he tried to do his finisher. He couldn't do it. Baron Corbin kicks him in the gut and hits that badass finisher called End of Days. One, two, three, and the winner. And rightfully so, Baron Corbin. Yes, Corbin needed the win here because he's trying to establish himself as the star, as the badass, as the top guy in NXT. And he's saying, I'm going to jump the line because of my star status and I'm going to take the NXT title from Carmelo Hayes. So in order for him to make that statement, he had 
has to whoop that trick. Mm -hmm. He does. And the knee thing was perfect because it gives Trick Williams a way out. It allows Baron Corbin to get a victory over Trick Williams without burying Trick Williams because his knee gives out on him. Corbin kicks his knee, not the gut. So he works, he kicks the injured knee and then hits the end of days. But also, he works the injured knee throughout the entire match. Which again, this is a little thing we like to call... Psychology. That's right. That's what it is. Seeing an injury and working it and taking advantage of it to weaken your opponent. To make the match look believable. That way, when Williams goes for his boot finisher and his knee buckles, it makes sense. Because his knee hurt. He can't get the cyclone because he can't get all the oomph that he needs with the knee injured. So Corbin can take out the knee, hit the end of days, which very few people kick out of that move. Barely. And get the one, two, three, and Corbin wins. So this was a great match. Well done by both guys. And it's rare to see Corbin have a good match. Yeah, that's true. Most of his matches have not been great, especially lately. No, not been great. So I was very impressed with this. I like it. This is a new Baron Corbin that we're seeing. And that's what we should be seeing in NXT. Just like I said with Dana. Have these guys reinvent themselves in NXT and then eventually come back brand new. A different product that you can sell all over again. And then we get to the backstage area with Wesley who wishes Mustafa Ali good luck on his match tonight. Ali says they should have a match for the North American Championship at some point. Uh, yay. Who cares? I don't... So, yeah. Well, I definitely care about this. And the reason I care about this is because Mustafa Ali is basically laying claim to the North American title. And even though I'm not the biggest Mustafa Ali fan, I would definitely want him to be the champion over Wesley if I had to make a choice. Because at least Mustafa Ali can put star power behind the North American title. And he's not as much of a spot monkey as Wesley is. So this would work perfectly in that regard. So I look forward to seeing the North American title match between Mustafa Ali and Wesley. And I'm hoping Mustafa Ali will finally be the guy to take it off of him. Because let's be honest, Wesley has run through basically every Meg Carter in NXT. So it makes sense for a free agent to step in and be the one to beat him. Because who else is left to take the belt off of him? No one that we know of so far. I, I don't see anyone on the roster they're going to use. Me neither. Everybody else is going for the top belt that matters. Wesley's time around has gone stale like a stale potato chip and stale bread. Bread's a better use. Okay. Old potato chip. People still eat the old potato chip. They won't touch the old bread. Yeah, that's true. Especially if it's green and moldy. Yeah. Count something probably you see in Gator's, uh, Gator Ricky's Ross's bedroom sometimes. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> yeah, we're going to move on. We are not moving on. There's no moving on. What the fuck did the ginger just say? What the fuck <laughs> did the ginger just say? Did this motherfucker... <laughs> Try to imply that there is green mold in my bedroom. Are you sure? About as sure as I am that the only thing you have in your bedroom that is worthwhile is your mattress boyfriend. You know that's getting really, really old because I actually have a real mattress now. Oh, so 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 you uh you traded Mitch for a newer model? That's kind of mean. Yeah, yeah, her name's Margaret Robbie. That that's not a mattress, that's an actress. This did you oh my god! The ginger killed the bitch and put him in the mattress. Oh my God. 
There's a dead body in the mattress. Call the cops. Call the police. Maybe Go take to, over. Bye. Go no. to. <laughs> we need. Where's the address? Mr. Bicciarelli. Mr. Bicciarelli, we need the ginger's address. Margot Robbie has gone missing. Uh, I, I don't have time to do the eulogy, but we need to get Margot Robbie out of the mattress. There's a dead body in the mattress. There's a dead body. Uh, hello, police. Yes. Yes, this is Gator Ricky Ross. Yes, from the Boochcast. Yes, this is Gator Ricky motherfucking Ross. I gotta repeat myself. Oh, I'm sorry, officer. Uh, anyway, yes, uh, in, in uh, I believe, what, what's the name of the city again? Uh, Cumming, yeah, Cumming, Georgia. No, that is the name of a city. I am not implying it's something I did five minutes before I called you. Now, <laughs> I'm saying that there is a dead body inside a mattress. The man's name is Zachariah Scott. He lives in Cumming, Georgia. Uh, I believe he he lives on uh uh 3229 uh Lucky Charms Boulevard. Um you you'll see it, it's at the end of the rainbow, uh, is where you'll find the house. Can you take over for us and him back back in the basket permanently and put him to sleep? In the front yard there is a tree Territories Gator where Territories his, where his relatives <laughs> makes cookies and so you'll find it over there. Um also there's a shoemaker that uh Zachary has Helps uh, with his shoes uh, while he's sleeping. Uh, he likes to help. He likes to make shoes for people while they're napping. It's a little weird. Um, anyways, uh, I, I thank you. I hope you make it over there soon. Um, in the meantime, uh, try to talk to Johnny about getting rid of my parking ticket. Okay, bye. Yeah. So the cop is on his way to basket. the basket. What? I'm not going to the basket. Basket. I refuse to go to the basket. Basket. There, you cannot put me in. In the basket, Gator. Now I'm telling you to go to the, the basket. I'm not going, Gator. Territories. Fuck you. All right, so now we got that foolishness out the way. I swear to God, you need to put a better lock on that fucking basket of his, Vinny. Hey, you poked the Gator. All right, you don't, you can't. I didn't do shit. I'm innocent. You just said he had green moldy stuff in his bedroom. What did you think he was gonna do? I meant that in a good way. How is that a good what? Good way. That makes no fucking sense. I have to bring my heat, Mr. Mr. Vinny Bucci. Oh my god, not fucking you too. What what heat? You're not a heel. What the fuck do you need heat for as a podcast? I could be a heel easily. All I'd have to say is little magical things, but I don't want to make you mad because you're cutting my ride home. So moving on. Yes, Zach doesn't want to walk back to coming. So anyway, um, on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, Mustafa Ali goes one-on-one -on -one against Joe Gacy. I was actually looking forward to this, guys, but I have to say this. Too short. I think it could have gone a little bit longer. What about you, Vinny? Um, for Mustafa Ali's first match in NXT, it should have gone a little bit longer. Um, I think because of the main event, that's probably why it didn't. But it definitely should have gone a little bit longer. This could have been better. Unless they're trying to save this for a pay-per-view. Like, usually when you have a match like this, and it goes that short with these type of guys, that normally doesn't make sense unless you're trying to build to a pay-per-view match. Well, I really don't see it. I really don't see a uh, big-time rival happening with Mustafa or Joe, really. Well, I'm just saying, that's pretty much what we saw here was them setting up the angle. Yeah. Because that's what this match did. It set up the angle. That's why it didn't last as long as it did. So it did what it needed to do to set up the angle. 
But like I said, normally when a match like that goes goes that short with these type of wrestlers, it's usually because they don't want to give too much away because they want to build to a pay-per-view. But personally, I would rather see Mustafa Ali take the North American title from Wes Lee at the Great American Bash rather than see him in some type of weird gimmick match with Joe Gacy. But in the end, Ali pins Gacy after a 450 splash, um, which was awkward. Um, and then after the match... Fowler and Reed from the Dyad attack Ali and then Tyler Bate and Wesley make the save and apparently this is meant to set up a six-man tag match I believe for next week yep with uh, with uh, Ali Tyler and Wes against Gacy and the Dyad yep. so it's going to be that type of match next week so that's pretty much what we got here and then we cut to the backstage area where Briggs and Jensen are giving Fallon Henley a pep talk for the Battle Royal Adrian Zanofi and Malik Blake walk in Anofi blames Briggs and Jensen for convincing Hank and Tank to fight each other. Now Blade wants to fight Anofi to make their bond stronger. Hank and Tank walk in and still on cloud nine after their match. They are so much closer now. Hank, Tank, Briggs, and Jensen are now about to go out for a beer. They ask Blade and Anofi to join them, but they decline. Gallus barges in and Joe Coffey dumps on Blade and Anofi. They aren't on Gallus' level and don't have to play these silly games. Gallus walks off and Anofi asks Blade if they are doing this, and Blade excitedly says yes. Next week, Malik, Blake, Blade versus Idris Anofi. One word. Why? Basically, the whole genesis of this is the fact that, as we know, uh, Briggs and Jensen, you know, for a moment, had broken up. Because uh, I believe it was, uh, was Jensen with Keanu James, I believe? I think it was Briggs. No, it was Briggs, yeah. It was Briggs. Briggs was with uh, Keanu James. Yeah. And, you know, during that time, they broke up and had a mixed tag match and everything. And then after the match, Keanu James dumps Briggs. And then uh, Jensen comes over and consoles him, and they get back together. So they felt that after that match, they became a much stronger uh, bond, much stronger group. Because now Briggs truly knows that Jensen and Fallon Henley truly care about him and have his best interest at heart. Because they could have just kicked him to the curb after Kiana left him. But the whole reason that Jensen wanted to bring the fight to Briggs was to get his buddy back and also kind of teach him a lesson. So Hank and Tank go out. They have their one-on-one match like a few weeks back. And now all of a sudden they're stronger. So they got this idea in their heads that the only way we could have a stronger bond, and of course not to Blade and Ophi, is that they fight each other. And there have been times where we've seen tag teams fight each other one-on-one and then eventually they reunite. We've seen the Hardy Boys do that. We've seen Edge and Christian do that, although I don't think they ever reunited. No, I don't think they did either. But the Hardys at least have done that. Uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels did that, and they were best friends. So they think if we do this, maybe... Just maybe we'll become a stronger tag team. We'll be on a different level. So they're going to have this one-on-one match. There's just one problem. What's the problem? No one gives a shit about this tag team. No, nobody does. Nobody cares. Like, that's the problem. We don't give a shit. Now, Hank and Tank, they're not exactly special either, but at least they're entertaining. Yeah, that's true. So, and they can wrestle decently, but the entertainment's where it's at. Briggs and Jensen, they're a tag team to be reckoned with. You know, they're former NXT UK tag team champions. And I would love to see them get another tag title run, especially with the fact that the belts are now unified. I'm, you know, they were UK champs. I want to see them be American champs. I don't think anybody embodies America more than those two. Nope. So definitely want to see that. Fuck, Fuck yeah. yeah. And then we cut to... Fucking crap. Noam Dar, Mensa, Lash Legend, and Jakara, who I can't remember what the fuck they said. I just know it was a lot of stupid shit. Basically bragging, talking about their names. And I think at one point earlier, we saw Nathan uh, Fraser with 
this boring ass talk show trying to come up and then Dragon Lee's trying to come up with different names for the group. Only one of them was actually good. Uh, what was the, the number five? No, it was the last one. What? I think it was uh Noam's uh Rena oh, Friends. Yeah, Rena Friends. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good that was a good group. <laughs> the other ones were incredibly fucking dumb, but yeah. that was a good one. So now basically they challenge he's challenging him to a Heritage Cup match, which I guess will be done under the British rules, like that's normally how it's done. And they've scheduled it for next week. And Noam basically says that their faction is now called the Meta Four. That's hard. <laughs> Vinny, was this? <laughs> No, it was sad. This is not a good name. Nope. But then again, in, in these modern times, it's hard to come up with an original name for a faction. I don't get, I get, I know what a metaphor is. Yeah. But the way they're spelling it, it's M-E-T-A, which is meta, which is kind of like, um, for those of you that don't play uh, Dungeons and Dragons, I'll give you an idea. Meta is basically where you, in wrestling terms, expose the business. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, in like when you play Dungeons and Dragons, I know this because I play D&D with Des and everybody, and as I mentioned before, we're in the process of trying to get a D&D show on here. I know I say that all the time, and believe me, I want to. We've just had so many fucking setbacks in our our personal lives that it's hard to get it off the ground like john was supposed to host it but then they had issues with their house and they've had to renovate so i'm waiting on them to get that done also all of us have been fucking going through the ringer in our personal lives so it's been hard to get everyone together for this but believe me when i tell you at some point down the road when the time is right we will get a DD show we will put it on the Twitch channel, and it will be entertaining because we are going to be having a lot of fun things happening. But in D&D, metagaming is basically where you take stuff from real life and put it in the game that doesn't need to be there. Because when you're playing the game, you're supposed to be playing as the character. So I'll give an example. Let's say, Zach, you and I are playing D&D. And let's say we are, our characters are walking through the woods. And all of a sudden, there's you hear something. And, you know, the DM might say, roll a perception check. Mm-hmm. So you roll the D20, find the number on the dice, find the plus, whatever you have for perception, add it all up. And depending on the number, if it's a high number, you might notice something. Or if it's a low number, you might not. So let's say I roll a 20 and you roll a 1. So I nat 20, you nat 1. And then I go, okay, so the DM will look at me and say, okay, Vinny, you can clearly tell this is a werewolf. Now, Zach, Mm. you rolled a nat 1. So the DM will look at you and go, Zach, Mm. you don't hear a goddamn thing. As far as you're concerned, it's just noise. Noise. So your character only hears random shit. I can clearly hear it's a wolf. Now, let's say we're continuing to walk, and you, Zach, Mm -hmm. your character says, hey, did anybody hear that wolf? That's metagaming. Because your character's not supposed to know it's a wolf, but you're implying that you know because you heard the DM tell me. And that's not how the game works. You you hear whatever the DM tells you you hear. And your character has to be oblivious because you rolled a low number. So you'd be walking around going, what was that noise? What was that noise? That's what your character would be saying. <clears throat> I Now, it's up to me with the nat 20. Now, if I turn to you and say, Zach, be careful. That's a werewolf. Now you know it's a werewolf because my character told you. Or I can keep it to myself. And you don't know what the fuck's going on. So that's a that that can be a word for meta. And they have the number four, which is there's four of them. So I don't know what the meta point of that is, you know. And also meta can also be like in the in the wrestling business, meta is where basically you expose the business in the ring all the goddamn time. AEW. Yeah, or the Young Bucks. They were very much known for being meta, which some people like about them. And to those people, I say, please stop watching wrestling. You're not a true fan. 
but we'll get into that right now. So I just thought metaphor, it's a clever play on words, but not a great name. Very true. Okay. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. If we, we even want to call it that, we got Eddie Thorpe going one-on-one -on -one against Damon Kemp. I didn't pay attention to this match. Did you? I did. Uh, I was thinking I was being distracted. I don't know what I was doing. I don't. I remember them going at it, but Vinny picked this one because I guess I didn't wasn't paying attention. This I got distracted. I don't know what it was. This was a fairly decent match. I mean, it wasn't a squash and it wasn't a man like we usually say, but I was like. Well, mostly it was, you know, these guys just doing a bit of back and forth. And then Eddie Thorpe, you know, German suplexing Kemp in the corner. The referee makes the count. The only problem is... His foot was on the rope. It was on the rope. Yeah. And the ref counted three because from where he was positioned... He couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah, yeah. now Damon obviously is uh, pissed off at the ref. He's yelling at him, trying to tell him my foot was on the rope. And basically they're doing that to continue this feud going. Because apparently Eddie Thorpe, the last time he won, there was uh, extenuating circumstances surrounding that. So now there's extenuating circumstances surrounding this. So in reality which is actually kind of funny here, if they wanted to, I don't know if this is the plan, but if they wanted to, the way this is going, you could build this to the Great American Bash. You can, you can, and give um, uh, Eddie Thorpe uh, his pay-per-view debut. Yeah, and you could do it one of two ways. Which is? You can either do a two out of three falls match. Yeah, I can see that. Or maybe make it an Iron Man. Now, I wouldn't say 60 minutes, but maybe 15, 30. What about Steel Cage? Uh, we've already seen the cage. Okay. After we, we, we just recently saw a weaponized Steel Cage match. Mm. It, it needs to be a long time before we see another cage. Yeah. In a very long time. Because you're not going to top that anytime soon. I don't care who's in the cage. Very true. Yeah, I it's not going to happen. On that. So, but I would say two out of three falls will work. And I also think that an Iron Man could work. But again, not 60 minutes. Because 60 minutes should be saved for world titles and major rivalries. What about 30 minutes? 30 would be good, yeah, okay. or 15. Okay. One of the two. 30 minutes usually another standard for Iron Man matches. So I think you could do that. And like most falls in 30 minutes wins. I think both these guys had the stamina to do it. So that's something you can do. But the way they're working this, this can be built to a pay-per-view. Because there's controversial finishes. Nobody has won outright. There's been winners, but nobody has clearly won with no excuses. So you could drag this to the pay-per-view. The question is, is this something you're, that's worth dragging out to July 30th? Keep in mind, at the time that we're recording this, it's June 6th. It's June 7th, the time you're listening to it. But July 30th, next month, is when this pay-per-view is going to happen. Great American Bash. So we'll see what happens there. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. All right there, sir. Moving on there, Mr. Vinovici. Yes. On that note, we're moving on oh, to the next Bucks. match <laughs> of the evening. If, if we, we even want to call it that, we got Dabakato one-on-one against Scripps. <laughs> well, uh, no. And then all of a sudden, uh, back and forth, I thought Dabakato should have squashed this match within 45 seconds, but they made it work. Uh, for Scripps had to get his shit in, and all Axiom popped out. I don't know that being like herpes just pops out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, Scripps beats Dabakato in what I would like to say two minutes and 54 seconds of our lives that we never get back. He's stealing gimmicks. Back to the basket. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> 
Alright, um, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I am shocked this happened. Zach was more shocked than me. Like, I, I think he was, like, in a whole other planet. Like, <laughs> this seriously fucking happened? Yes, what I the am. hell is this? <laughs> Zach was in a state of fucking shock. State of shock, ladies and gentlemen. Now, here's the deal. Here, as weird as this finish was, in a twisted way, it works. Nobody got buried. Exactly. But also, this plays into psychology and how you structure a match like this. Because you notice when Scripps got the advantage, what was the one thing he continuously did? Which is what? Attacked the legs. Attacked the legs. He would he, if he hit him hard. It was from it was from an aerial thing. He jumped off the turnbuckle, or he would throw punches. Dabakato would sell, but he wouldn't sell too good, like enough to where okay, he's hitting me, but not enough to where it's causing a lot of damage. Cause you gotta sell on some level, unless the punches are blatantly weak, like obviously weak, which none of Scripps' punches looked weak, so it was good. And Dabakato was hitting the big moves when it mattered, and then after he took out the legs, he did a roll. Up. And as soon as the roll-up was done, he beat down on Scripps, and he beat down on Axiom. So Scripps got his win, but Dabakato still looked good in defeat because he took both these fuckers out. And the distraction from Axiom allowed Scripps to take advantage in the first place. So this is the perfect way if Scripps was going to win to do it. So yeah, I got my victory, but he didn't whoop Dabakato's ass. Dabakato didn't sell until he had to. And... Nothing in this match looked fake. So it, it's fucking weird. Very fucking weird. But it worked. It worked great. Then we cut to the backstage area with Mustafa Ali who convinces Lee to give Bate a one-on-one -on -one match for the title. So Lee agrees. I didn't see this. Well, Ali was kind of, um, you know, butting up to both these guys. And I think this is part of Mustafa Ali's plan. Mm. I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to call it. Ali's turning heel. I can see that. Because he wants a match with Wesley, but I think what he wants to do is he wants to cause tension between Tyler Bate and Wesley, and he wants to get them to break up as friends. He wants to end their friendship. That way, Wesley's all by himself. He doesn't have Tyler Bate to back him up, and Ali can take the title. A.K.A. a homewrecker. Yes, kind of, in a way. I've been, I set that. I've seen that several, several times before with my friends just being kayfabe for her for a minute. And I always tell my buddies, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> when you come to your friends cheating on their spouse or their wife, you're like, I'll be your friend, but you're on your own. I ain't getting involved in that drama. That is not my You can fight. come crash on my couch. I won't let you freeze to death, but you're fucked. Yeah. I'll be, we'll be type of friends on that one week when they're like, you fucking idiot. I was like, but sleep on the couch. I'm not going to let you go home. You're going to go be homeless. Well, yeah. I mean, and like I said, for, for me, it, there's, there's a lot of variation on that. It depends on how close I am to this to the other person. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, because and or and also, that also depends who I'm, who I'm the most close to is who I might side with or who I think is totally wrong or whatever. Especially but, if it involves with children too. Yeah, yeah, you're on your own. Exactly. Like um, like I have certain friends where I'm closer to the guy than the girl. I got at least one friendship where I'm closer to the girl than the guy. So not I'm, really with me. I'm I'm really closer with both of them at the at the same time. I tell them like I'm your friend. I'm her friend. Get the fuck over it. You guys are not going to fight over my friendship. And you guys can everything else. But otherwise than that, we're going off topic here. Sorry about that. Yeah, I don't know why the fuck you, you <laughs> took it to this level. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's but, move on. 
Well, what, that's the point I'm trying to make is he wants to divide and conquer is what Ali wants to do so he can get that North American title because they're doing the six-man tag next week. I believe it's next week. And then yeah, at some point he wants to see them go one-on-one for the title, yeah. get that fringe at the end, and then Ali can pick the bones of whoever wins. And personally, I think it would be great for uh, Mustafa Ali to turn heel. I think it would be great for his career. Well, he's been a heel before. Has he? Yes. What? Well, during the brief run of Retribution, he was a heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also was a heel. I think he tried to lead a different faction at another point. But Mustafa Ali has been a heel before. And he's done very well as a heel. And I feel like, you know, Wesley, who is a clear-cut babyface, much as we can't stand him, he's a babyface, um, he needs a clear-cut bad guy to go after. Because you got to have the good versus evil. Yes, you do. That is one thing in wrestling that needs to be consistent, is the best matches are babyface versus heel. Two babyfaces can work in some areas, but it's not ideal. Two heels can work in some cases, but that's not ideal. You want to have the babyface, you want to have the heel. Somebody to cheer, somebody to boo. Somebody to play by the rules, somebody to try and break them when the ref's not looking. That's what you need. I guess so. And on that note, we are going to move on to the next match of the evening. We have the Women's Championship number one contenders Battle Royal. (laughs) I don't even have the names of who's in it. This is too... Zach's laughing because we couldn't keep up with this fucking thing. There were people getting eliminated whose names I didn't even fucking know. <laughs> so, a lot of people were li- getting eliminated. It all comes down to the final four, which was Thea Hill, Cora Jade, Famine Henley, and, um... Shit. Who was the other person? Well, I, well it was, no, the final four were Valkyria, okay, okay. Dana Brooke, Henley, and Cora Jade. What happened was... Thea Hale, earlier in the match, got slammed onto the ring steps by Lash Legend. The problem is, when Thea Hale dove out of the ring, or dove onto Lash Legend, she did not go over the top rope. And this, and they made it very, very clear in this match, this was one of those battle royals where, like a Royal Rumble, you had to go over the top rope with both feet touching the ground. There have been some battle royals where you get thrown out of the ring, you're done. Doesn't matter if you go over the rope or through the ropes or whatever. If you touch the floor, you were gone. There's some battle royals that have been like that, especially for the women. But in this case, they wanted to be a serious over-the-top battle royal. So because Thea didn't go over the top rope, she wasn't eliminated. But when Lash slammed her face first onto the ring steps, which that was a ooh, that was a bad bump. Bad bump. That looked that looked that looked painful. That looked very painful. So when she reappeared towards the end of the match, it was like, holy shit, we forgot she was there. Which is the best part of being taken out on the outside. When the match can go long enough to the point where you forget the person's still out there, yeah. that's great. Because there's some cases where you can easily remember. It has happened before where we're like, I remember, I, I, we know that person's coming back in. Sometimes you don't. So we totally forgot about her. We're looking at the finals. It's down to Cora Jade and Dana Brooke. And we're all sitting here praying to God Dana Brooke wins this. Because Dana, in my opinion, deserves to be women's champion. Cora Jade, I don't want to see anywhere near the women's title. You then see Thea Hale reappear. And she shakes the ropes like a female Ultimate Warrior. And Stealing gimmicks. Not necessarily, but close. <laughs> they get in the ring. They have the, they get in the, she gets in the ring. Because she went, like I said, apparently she went under the bottom rope when she dove onto Last Legend. Like, she went under the bottom rope, got on the apron, and jumped. She then dumps over Jade and Brooke at the same time, and Thea Hale is now the number one contender 
to the NXT Women's Championship. And here's the thing there, boys and girls, do to do that. Uh, Vinny was in a state of shock. <laughs> dude, I was like, Susan Show, dude, we gotta go record. And he was like, eh. Vinny, I, we gotta go record. He was like, My brain still needed time to process <laughs> what the fuck I just saw. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the thing. Um, I'm not angry. I'm not either. It's I'm just not, a state of shock. It, it's just like, okay, what the fuck? Because Thea Hale. I am a fan of Thea Hale. I love Chase U. I think her gimmick is very entertaining. But Thea Hale is one of the last people I would put in a women's title match because her gimmick is too silly. She's too comedic to go for a belt. She just is. Now, if there was another female in Chase U, I could see her being a tag team champion. But I don't see her as a women's champion that is credible enough to hold the belt and be taken seriously. I don't see that. Now, apparently she's getting some training from Gabba Gulak and Charlie Dempsey, which we watched that earlier, where she was coming out of the gym and she looked like she was mangled up. But um, Duke Hudson, who, as we all know, is running Chase U while Andre Chase is out of action. And she basically said that they were toughening her up. She was learning a lot. And, you know, Thea Hale's coming into her own. Now, the question is, by the time Thea gets to the women's title match, will Gabagulak and Dempsey have trained her to become a badass, credible wrestler? And maybe this is the transition that we see from Thea Hale being a comedy act to being a badass bitch. Because imagine if that happens. Imagine, if you will, Thea Hale whooping ass. Thea Hale taking names. Thea Hale being dangerous. It would be a totally different side to her character. And it would show that Thea Hale is not one-dimensional. Because right now her gimmick is one-dimensional. This is the truth. But this is an opportunity for her to come out of her shell and prove that she can be a woman that can hold the women's title and be taken seriously with it. Because obviously there's a lot of women in here who aren't ready or don't deserve it. Like your Blair Davenport's, your Roxanne Perez's, Tatum Paxley, not so much. JC Jane, I can see being a women's champion. Gigi Dolan, I can see that from her. Valkyria, she's showing me something but not ready right now. Cora Jade, I never want to see her touch the belt. I'd be cool with Kiana James. I didn't be okay with Fallon Henley. I would definitely be okay with Dana Brooke because I feel like Dana could do some good with it. But Thea Hale, I did not expect this. But I will admit, I am intrigued to see what happens. I'm even, I think it's even cooler that all the Chase U students got in the ring and they're doing the Chase U symbol with their hands, which is kind of similar to the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. I know that's what they do because mm-hmm. I've seen them do it at sporting events and also The Rock yeah, does it because said- The Rock's from the University of Miami. He did the Michael Hogan. He says, uh, go. Go he, bitch, and uh, hit his finisher and just puts up the giant you. Yeah. So. And uh, then we cut to the parking lot where we see good old Braun Breaker. And apparently they asked why he attacked Ilya Dragunov. And basically Braun Breaker found it offensive that he called himself the most intense guy in WWE. When Braun Breaker has been a dominant champion... And ever since he's been a heel, he has been destroying everything around him. And then he decides to make a bold statement and challenges Seth Rollins to a match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I saw this right here. He's challenging Seth Rollins for World Heavyweight Championship on NXT. Wouldn't it be proper to go to... He's on SmackDown? Raw. Oh, he's on Raw. Go to Raw and then challenge it and maybe... You could be called up to Raw or SmackDown, Braun Breaker. I don't know why Braun Breaker's still at NXT after losing to Carmelo Hayes at Battleground, but apparently they want to keep him around for some strange-ass fucking reason. I don't know. Benny, your thoughts. Okay, um, 
Now, if you listen to the male soap opera moment, then you already know my opinion on this belt. But since this is NXT, and I don't assume that everybody listens to the male soap opera moment, I'll give the opinion right here. The World Heavyweight Championship, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship that they have created, that Seth Rollins won at Night of Champions, is a paper championship. This belt is a fucking joke. I don't like it. I think it's a waste of time. I think it's a waste of money. And the fact that Roman Reigns is the undisputed champion, and they're still calling it the undisputed championship, despite the fact that the World Heavyweight title is here to dispute it. You can't be the undisputed world champion if there's already a world champion on the show. And they have two world champions again because they live under the delusion in WWE that they have enough stars to have two world champions on two brands and they don't. This belt is going to become a secondary title. It's already being treated like a secondary title and I'm even more offended that they're trying to refer to it as the workhorse championship. Because WWE already has a belt that's called that. The little thing we like to call the Intercontinental Title. That was the Workhorse Championship. Because I've said it before, and I should say it again. Roman should be a free agent on both shows. Whoever the world champion is should be on both shows. And instead of having this paper championship, Gunter, the Intercontinental Champion, should be the focal point of Monday Night Raw. And Austin Theory, the guy who beat John Cena at WrestleMania, but ain't done jack shit since, should be your focal point of SmackDown. Why? Because he's the United States champion. Make the Intercontinental title and the US title worthwhile on the show. Make that the center of attention. And then when the Big Four shows up, have Roman be there to defend his title until they're finally ready to get the fucking belt off of him. Because if you want a world champion that's there all the time, either have Roman work more dates, which he is, by the way, pretty much every other week till SummerSlam, he's on TV, he's working bi-weekly, or take the belt off of him like you should have fucking did at WrestleMania. Or bite the bullet and accept the fact that Roman's working limited dates. And we're not going to see the undisputed champion as much until he loses the belt. But creating this fucking world heavyweight title is a waste of fucking time. Because you're basically the guy who couldn't beat Roman Reigns. It's disrespectful to Roman. It's disrespectful to anybody that's challenged Roman. And it makes the entire company look like a fucking joke. That being said, if this leads to Braun Breaker going to Monday Night Raw, then I'm all for it. Here's what I would like to see. I would like to see Seth Rollins at some point show up in NXT and accept Braun Breaker's challenge. But here's what I want to do. I want to build this for the Great American Bash. This needs to be on the Great American Bash. And I'll take it a step further. I would give it to Braun Breaker. Why? Because it'd be a good reason to get his ass out of NXT and onto Monday Night Raw. Because the World Heavyweight title is supposed to be exclusive to Raw. And since everybody's been telling me that had AJ Styles won the match, he would automatically go to Raw. That means Braun Breaker should do the same thing. This should be the catalyst to getting Braun Breaker to Monday Night Raw, to the main roster. Because he should have been called up in the draft. But for some stupid fucking reason, they didn't do that. And now he's just sitting in NXT doing whatever. So have this be the catalyst. Let him win the world title from Seth freaking Rollins. Why not? Who else is Seth going to fight with this title? Give it to Braun Breaker 
It'll call him up. He can be dominant with the belts. Try to make it mean something. And then when the time is right, take it off him. But I think that would be a good idea. Because I don't know how long you want Seth to hold that title for. But I don't know if Seth can hold that belt for very long and make it mean anything. Especially when, again, it's being treated like a secondary title already. I understand agree with you. I don't like that championship belt. But maybe Braun Breaker can take him off. But you know for a fucking fact that's not going to happen. Just saying. Maybe not the World Trap Championship for Braun Baker but he ever gets called up to the main roster the Intercontinental United States or he stays with NXT becomes tag team champions for Falk Reiner like we talked about so many times well not so many times just a couple of times yes yeah, it wouldn't really make sense because I don't think Von Wagner is really a heel right now and I don't see how that would benefit anybody no it's too bit he's too busy banging his therapist exactly <laughs> and uh that ladies and gentlemen will wrap up uh this recap of NXT Zach as always thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join Join us and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next one. Hopefully I can be in the studio there, folks. It's what a coincidence. I'm actually in the studio. Yay. Yeah, it's a fucking miracle. We oh, got him in. Fuck off. Well, no, it's true. And also, it it's everything sounds better. It, it sounds good. This is easier for me to edit. It's just this help. You're helping a lot of people, Zach. You really are. And uh, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor. Anchor. Spotify. Spotify. Google Podcasts. Google podcast and iHeartRadio and iHeartRadio Piggy favorite hosting site follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites also like us on Facebook go to facebook.com slash the boochcast we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content uh, make sure you guys uh, check out the latest episode of the Mail Soap Opera Moment we gave our recap of uh, Night of Champions also you can check out the uh, Arrow recaps that have come up uh, season 8 uh, the last one dropped uh, Monday so all of the Arrows are up there and we'll have other classic episodes coming out in the coming weeks every monday come check out a classic episode or a paper or a pay-per-view review whether it's a modern pay-per-view or a classic pay-per-view could be a new one every week check to find out in addition to nxt's and AEW's. also you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the boochcast get these tweets photos and videos visit our youtube channel check out all of our youtube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted like i said we're still dealing with some tech issues but once we get them fixed the rest of the episodes of dark side of the 90s will be coming out to you we also got some dark side of football dark side of comedy and with the new season of dark side of the ring you know more new episodes of that will be coming to the youtube channel as well we've got so much shit coming to this youtube channel ladies and gentlemen so check it out be ready it's gonna be a bumpy ride. It's gonna be a bumpy ride, yes sir. And of course, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. It's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. Make sure you all join us for the biggest party of the summer. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon. Our Boochcast booking battle and another special project in the work. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the boochcast slash support become a supporter of the boochcast support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes we have three levels you can donate at pick the one that works the best within your budget we have our first level which is 99 cents one dollar per month we have our second level which is 4.99 five dollars per month the same amount of money you would pay for a peacock subscription i know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the peacock so don't give them money give us money we got better content than peacock anyway and we have the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere 9.99 
$10 per month. Same amount of money I used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold the Peacock, I've gotten nowhere to put that $9.99. So to that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content in the network. And unlike Endeavor, we actually care about our fans. are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option to pay with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you had a favorite co-host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest of the money to feed Zach his ramen noodles, try to get him laid, and apparently get some bail money because there's a girl trapped in the mattress. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Pineapple goes on a pizza. Go fuck yourself. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu. Bon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.